Hi, this is Maria Pesson, founder of For Women Over 50, a website and a Facebook group that helps women be inspired to live their best life over 50. And I am so delighted to have with us today, Dr. Ali, who has a great story to share and helpful tips on how to live your best life. So Dr. Ali, welcome and tell us about you. Well, thank you very much, Maria. And it's great to be on your show. I'm so pleased to have this opportunity. So grateful. And I, I really enjoy your show. Uh, your podcasts are great fun. Um, okay. So as, as a medical doctor trained in women's health, general practice and functional medicine, I'm particularly passionate about inspiring women in their 40s, 50s and 60s and beyond to take back ownership of their health and their hormones. Often people ask me, why, how come I got into functional medicine and alternative medicine, these other elements of medicine beside the classic? And uh, that really hails back to my, when I was at medical school or rather before I was at medical school, because when I was 17, just before I started at university, I was actually involved in a car accident and um, the car rolled several times. It was driven by my already ex-boyfriend, but it stopped just 20 feet from the cliff edge. Oh, my goodness. I know, I know. And, you know, my mum... Uh, when she looking out went, for you. So lucky because it was actually at Beachy Head, which is the third most popular... Um, the, the third most popular suicide spot in the world after the Golden Gate oh. Bridge and the uh, and a little known forest in Japan. So my local bit of cliff is where people like to go over. So I was really lucky that we didn't go over the edge. And then when we went to the hospital, we found I found that I had actually broken my back in two places. So there was I with a broken back and about to start medical school. How now, that must have been. Oh, it was, it was, I was an introvert. Uh, I am an introvert. So I, I really found it difficult to be outgoing. I was going into a completely new city, a completely new university. I knew nobody there. Plus I had chronic back pain that was very debilitating. And um, I, in order to cope with that, I had to use other than just the pharmaceuticals. So there we were at medical school being told that um, medicines and surgery have the answers to everything. But I found that that wasn't actually the case. And many of your listeners will have had experience of things like chronic pain, other chronic illnesses like fibromyalgia or arthritis. And they too will have learned, and you know, mental health particularly, they too will have learned and recognized that the pharmaceutical approach isn't the whole story at all. Is that your experience as well, Maria? Yes, um, I also have some chronic illness. Um, I have Parkinson's disease and I have arthritis. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that a lot of the things that help those two have to do with the way you eat and the way you exercise. Yeah. They actually help those diseases. So I know from firsthand, obviously I also take medicine for it, but. In addition, the other aspects are really important. So yes, I have experienced that. Yeah, absolutely. And there was I at medical school, I was, I, the, the pharmaceuticals alone 
uh, weren't enough. I had, and I had physiotherapy, but that wasn't enough. So I discovered uh, journaling and creative writing as a way of letting out some of my pain and some of the mood problems that, you know, the depression that goes with chronic pain. I used um, chiropractic, I used Alexander technique, which is a postural re-education technique. I, and I had to use a lot of these things in trying to, um, to come through. And in fact, I did have chronic back pain for 25 years after that. So it followed me through medical school. I also had lifestyle adjustments. So I used to have to lie down in lectures. I laid down at parties. And I actually took uh, four years out in the middle of the medical course to do some research just because my back wasn't yet strong enough to go and do the clinical work on the wards. And so when I came to the other end of medical school, I was passionate about where uh, gynecology and endocrinology overlap. So I loved women's health. I loved hormones and I knew I wanted to work in some way in that direction, but I couldn't train as a gynecologist because of my back pain. I couldn't stand long enough to do the training to do hysterectomies and things. And so I went into family practice as a general practitioner um, because at least it seemed the most holistic approach that was possible in our system. In the UK, we have a, a, a national health service. So we have it free at the point of need, but that means that there's only you can only have 10 minutes with the GP. There's only 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very difficult to keep it to 10 minutes. But then you and uh, then I end up as a GP uh, undermining my own mental health because it's stressful running and our late patients complain. And it means I'm later leaving. So, you know, it, it, it's. Um, it, we're, we're so lucky to have this service in the United Kingdom, but it's not the be all and end all. And there are oh, many. Everybody brags about socialized medicine, why we should have it. But the truth of the matter is, it's really not the best. I well, hear sometimes yeah. it's very hard to get appointments for that reason. Yeah, you know, as you can imagine, if there isn't a, a cap on the part of the patient in terms of finances, then they will come to us with all sorts of things that you wouldn't. That, that when the NHS was set up, wasn't expected. They, they didn't expect people to go to the GP when they started it in 1948 with things like obesity or stress or, yeah, yeah and, and of course we get that. But that's fine and we're very, very lucky to have it. Um, it's just a recognition on my part that it's not the whole thing. And that's why I ended up training in functional medicine after I burnt out in 1938 not 1938, when I was 38 in 2004. So I trained in functional medicine and uh, natural hormone therapy. And that is where I really discovered a lot more about myself and about hormone balance. Functional medicine. So functional medicine is amazing. It's um, looking for the grassroots of a problem. So it instead of, because... Uh, the general public, as well as doctors, are trying to find a quick fix. You want to, you, in, in the NHS, we've got very little time. We want a quick fix. As patients, we want to get better quickly. So we're looking for a quick fix. We're tending to gear towards putting a band aid over things. 
Um, and in actual fact, very often you'll need to go for the root of the problem. So, for example, with some of these um, illnesses of aging or, or that are commoner as we get older, we need to look at what's making us age more quickly. We need to look at what's going on with the gut health because gut health and the microbiome which is the bacterial balance in the gut actually underpin all of this um, all of our health so as a specific example if someone comes with heartburn in allopathic medicine we would suggest omeprazole because that reduces the symptom of the heartburn by suppressing the acid secretion and reducing that feeling of heartburn and uh, of um, acid coming up. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes heartburn is actually due to too little acid. In fact, in most cases, it's down to too little acid rather than too much acid, because as we get older, our acid production reduces in the stomach. That causes the um, sphincter at the bottom of the esophagus to be less effective if there isn't enough acid being produced. And it's because the sphincter's loosened that you're getting acid coming up, not because you've got too much acid. Then if we suppress your acid secretion so much with the omeprazole and lansoprazole and other medicines like that, Nexium and stuff, um, we then reduce our ability to absorb calcium and magnesium properly because we need the acid in the stomach for that mineral absorption. We also upset the um, the bacterial balance because things like Helicobacter pylori, which is a gut bacteria that can cause stomach ulcers, that thrives if there isn't enough acid in the stomach. So every time we are sticking a Band-Aid onto our health with a chemical medicine, we could be causing more problems. Whereas if we actually look at why you've got reduced acid and try and improve that, then we're then it's it's more intense, it's more time consuming than we can possibly do in a fast track conveyor belt health system. But you get better, more longer term results. And that's what functional medicine is. It's looking at the grassroots of a problem and it's really looking at um, a, a much more holistic approach. That sounds very interesting. And I do think that that's the way of health for the future. You know, mm. like marrying Eastern medicine with Western medicine. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm trained in energy healing as well. And I bring that into my, my private work and my online courses because that has been pivotal in my own recovery, both from chronic back pain and from burnout. So, you know, just um, focusing on the symptom doesn't really get to it. And and I find so often, I don't know about you, Maria, but I find out so often that people are um, are suffering from a lack of a sense of community, a lack of connection, uh, lack of self-esteem. And these all impact. Especially for women women over 50. I think we encounter those issues more than we did when we were young and had children and were busy and involved. Now we kind of feel removed because we don't have those same connections. Maybe we're divorced or our husbands died, you know, things change. So we don't have those big communities, but we could have those big communities. We just have to develop them and develop those new connections. um, Yeah that you need when you get older. But um, you're right on track. I think health really needs to be a combination of wellness, 
and medicine, where medicine yeah. is absolutely needed. Yeah, absolutely. We need the best of both worlds and we need to be the controller, if you like, for ourselves rather than handing it over to a doctor. You know, we need to keep, we need to be the hub and we need to uh, learn enough about our health to be able to make the right decisions for ourselves. So we turn 50 and all of a sudden we start to notice nagging things that didn't bother us before. Our eyesight maybe isn't as good. Um, in my case, I needed a knee replacement because the arthritis got so bad. And, you know, sometimes they're bigger issues, sometimes they're smaller issues, but we're not at the same place that we used to be. And then as we feel less healthy, we do less, which perpetuates us feeling less healthy. So we get on this downward spiral that we need to stop and to turn around and become as vibrant as we can with the bodies that we have. So what are some of your recommendations for women over 50 who need to get more, um, feel more vital, feel, have more vitality in their being? What would you suggest? Well, that's a great question, Maria. And uh, it, it is one of those things that, that as we get older, there are actually changes in the cells, changes in the chromosomes of our cells that contribute to that aging. We get DNA damage, we get oxidative stress, which is when um, free radicals are attacking our cells or attacking the organelles within the cells. And we get reduced turnover of the cells and that all contributes to the aging, not just on the outside, but on the inside as well. And we can improve this. There are a lot of things we can do to support our bodies with this. One of the things that we can do is to take regular nutritional supplements that help support ourselves in their uh, regeneration. Um, and those, the, there are certain supplements that have been shown to help with that and help to prolong the life of the cells or help them to recycle themselves. So there's one of the ways of measuring aging in cells in terms of research is by looking at the telomeres, which are little bits on the end of the chromosomes that tell the cell when it's time for it to be um, recycled. And that uh, the supplements that I recommend actually help with that process itself. But also supplements help to support your, um, your antioxidant level and your ability to recycle yourselves and your ability to withstand things like pollution that are going on. Other things that can help protect your healthy cells from entering retirement too early include avoiding certain toxins such as drug abuse, smoking, tanning beds, for example. Avoiding sunburn is important as well. Um, obviously, views on sun have changed enormously over the last 70 years. Uh, but we don't need to avoid sun completely. We need the vitamin D that we get from the sun, that our skin's producing the sun. And that vitamin D itself is both a hormone as well as a vitamin. And it does help combat aging. But too much sun on the skin will penetrate, and on the retina actually, will penetrate and add more oxidative stress to those cells and cause more aging. 
um, obesity is actually something that promotes inflammation and promotes aging. So keeping it within keep keeping within our best weight is a good plan and excessive stress which many people don't really take stress seriously enough but it really does cause a lot of health problems it does speed up aging it does cause hormone imbalance um, partly from the release of uh, of cortisol which then interacts with all your other hormone systems um, taking exercise is really important, but not over-exercising because, again, over-exercise can also cause more oxidative stress and more inflammation in the body that contributes to aging. But taking a good amount of exercise. And one of the things that I find women over 50 are particularly concerned about are, is um, osteoporosis and thinning of the bones. And it's really important that we are aware of that. Weight bearing exercise is really good for that. Really, so you know, walking, running, way or bearing your weight is really important for promoting bone health. And then, in is addition, stretching. Beg your pardon. Is weightlifting also good? Yeah, absolutely. So weightlifting is particularly good for the testosterone reduction that we get in menopause. So after the menopause, we get some loss of the muscle power. You can feel it in your arms. You can feel that you're less resilient when you're lifting things. But to combat that loss of testosterone, weightlifting is really, really helpful. And then the weightlifting, if that's improving your testosterone, that can also improve other features of testosterone loss as well. So weightlifting is a really good thing to be doing. And stretching as well, because so things like yoga and Pilates are really helpful because we need to be stretching and keeping the tendons and, um, and ligaments around our joints resilient. Uh, and stretching can be really helpful with that. So I make sure I do yoga every morning, even if it's just a short a period of time. And we also need to be supporting our brains because another fear that all of us have around aging is dementia and other. Yeah, not uh, the only one who worries about that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, neurologically speaking, we can support our brains by keeping them active, by doing things like crosswords and puzzles and uh, keeping doing things that are stretching, even listening to music. These things can be helpful for our brains. I'm studying French, does that count? Yes, absolutely. Learning any new thing from maths to cooking, that can be really helpful. So absolutely, learning a new language is really good for reducing the aging, in, uh, the effect of aging on your brain, absolutely. So you talked about um, supplements. Yeah. Um, nutritional supplements. What are some that we need to make sure we get? Okay. So I recommend a good quality vitamin and mineral supplement. Um, I use one that has special, specific anti-aging cellular nutrition effects. And that is... Um, uh, and that actually has 34 different vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients in it. I actually end up taking eight tablets morning and evening, which most people are quite shocked at because they, you know, you go down to a, a, a store and you look for a multivitamin and they'll have something like one a day and give the impression that that's actually sufficient. But when you actually look at the needs of the cells, 
it's a lot more than that. So I'll give you a link to my supplement store, which looks into which will show that. I also recommend extra vitamin D and magnesium and calcium together in a supplement that will help with the bone resilience as well. And uh, vitamin D is better if it's taken with K2, which is another vitamin that helps support aging. And then take vitamin D 5,000. But um, I like if I take this multivitamin, do I need to also take the individual ones I take? I would take the vitamin D as well. Absolutely. And I take magnesium and I also take biotin. Biotin is really good for hair and nails. Um, There is biotin in the one that I Beg your pardon? I've been losing my hair, so I've been taking it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things with hair loss, as as we get older, women going through menopause, perimenopause and postmenopause, they often have other hormone imbalances. In fact, they nearly always do, in my experience, with the in-depth testing that I do. So very often they may have thyroid imbalance, which may not be detectable on classic testing. There are things like the receptor resistance. We've Many of us have heard of insulin receptor resistance, but other types of hormones develop receptor resistance as well, where the receptor stops responding to the hormone when it latches onto it. And thyroid receptor resistance is a real thing that can contribute to hair loss, even if the thyroid hormone tests appear to be normal. And estrogen lack and uh, testosterone lack can also contribute to hair loss. So there's a lot of things besides just the vitamin deficiencies that contribute to that. But particularly important with hair loss is and quality of hair uh, is biotin, as you say, and zinc as well. Oh, that's good to know. So um, in the show notes, we'll put your link um, so that people could find you on your website and learn more about you and get maybe some of your supplements. I know I'm going to do that because I am always looking at what I should be doing to improve on my health and my energy. So I'm going to change gears for a second. Yes. Um, the question I always ask is, since you've turned 50, what are the three superpowers you've developed? I think this is a great question. And it really, uh, really made me think and reflect. One of the superpowers that I think I have is self-knowledge. I think as we get older, we're lucky enough to really get to know ourselves better than we ever did before without um, without hesitancy with courage we can get to know ourselves with our shadow side as well and I think that's really important another one is I'm more unrockable you know I, I feel like I, I am stayed I, I am less likely to be swayed and influenced by things um, I'm open-minded, but I'm less likely to be impacted by, say, some of the um, that some of the haters, let us say, on social media. And then finally, I think the most important thing is an understanding that we need to enjoy the journey. So enjoying the journey is my third superpower, even right down to just driving to work and looking at the leaves and looking at the clouds in the sky and appreciating them. So that element of gratitude is really important. But enjoying the journey of life, it's not about the greatest one you have. I think that's perfect. Good for you. So thank you so much um, for being on our show. And 
I've learned a lot and I think I'm going to implement several of the things that you've mentioned. So thank you for sharing. Um, thank you audience for listening in. Join our Facebook group for women over 50. Sign up to get our emails and our, our future podcast and have a wonderful day. Again, for womenover50.com. Thank you so much, um, doctor. And I look forward to learning even more about you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.